What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posy podcast. My name is Jasmine, and this is episode 51. Before I get into this week's guest, let's talk about this week's nonprofit organization being featured in the Posy Spotlight. Sukasa is a nonprofit organization dedicated to the philosophy that every individual has the right to live free from violence or the threat of violence. Their mission is to empower individuals and families to live free from domestic abuse and build partnerships with communities to end domestic violence. If you would like to learn more or make a donation to Sukasa, you can visit sukasadv.org. Sukasa is spelled S-U-C-A-S-A. This week's episode features Ben and Andy of pop punk band Loose Ends. The band is getting ready to release Tell God You Were Framed, their debut EP that will be out later this summer. In this conversation, we talked about their upcoming EP, how they've been influenced by different genres, Yellow Card, Deftones, and tons more. Here's my conversation with Ben and Andy on the Keep It Posy podcast. All right, Ben, we're up. We're going to continue that. We're going to continue those details in a second. We're waiting on Ben to join. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? Oh, better than I deserve. Is Ben on here? Yeah, he's connected. All right. Cool. Hello. Hello. We got bands announcing stuff. It's starting to feel like, okay, I think it's going to happen for real this time. Everybody is going to go to shows this fall, and we're going to meet up in the pit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I actually just bought a a ticket to a festival in September that I'm pretty stoked about, and it's going to as of right now, that's my first one planned that I'm I'm pretty stoked on. I think it's almost sold out, so that's that's good news for the music community. Which one are you doing? Uh, Furnace Fest. Uh. There's a lot of uh, a lot of bands that's going to bring me back to like 2005. I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's a, that's um, a huge bill. It's a huge bill. Yeah, it's three days. What about you, Andy? Do you have anything that you're trying to go to? Offhand, like I just what I do in in work requires a little bit of travel here and there and uh, moving around. So that I'm looking forward to getting back to some semblance of a routine. Um, I'm more focused on getting this musical project to actually be able to play shows again and get that off the ground. You know, look, little backstory on it. I this project had started back in 2015, and then by 2016, um, I'd shifted over and. Re- recorded some drums with uh, another friend for a band and we were looking at making some moves to play shows and that sort of thing. And then life hit the fan in early 2017 and everything went on the back burner pretty hard. And, uh, which is how we ended up here being able to chat with you over the last year, creating, finally getting in a place where we're making music, but the way we're making it required a lot of isolation and really just 
uncertainty in how we were going to move forward with this project whatsoever in any professional capacity. So um, if I'm, you know, if I'm shooting you straight, that's really where my head's at is like, how can I get festivals and all that's cool. And of course I want to go to shows. I think the last show I went to was like terror in 2019 uh, in orange County here. But yeah, that was, that was the last concert I saw. It seems like, even though a lot of people still went to some shows at the beginning of last year, it just seems like that's still a long time ago. It's wild, dude. So you guys have been working on this band. Yeah, so the EP is going to be out this summer. And of course, okay. by the time this, is out, this episode is out, you would already have released your first single. And the EP, it's called Tell God You Were Framed. Yes, ma'am. So there's the concept, I guess it's safe to say. How did that come about and um, how did the songwriting lead to that? So the long version is that I had a bunch of these songs kind of hanging out in, in just in my head more or less, or I had certain versions of the structures um, situated. And I would send these ideas back and forth to uh, Kyle, who's the producer on this record, um, and my guitar player. And we would just send these ideas and start kind of building off of that uh, virtually, right? Really the last, as far as the album goes, uh, the last five years have been, I think for all, for all of us in the band, um, there's just been a lot of life hitting us really hard. And so the concept of the record and the title behind it was, um, came from a more or less a corner that I had turned in some spiritual aspects, uh, generally not like a religious guy or anything like that. In fact, quite the opposite up until the last several months. And this struggle that I've had internally with this omniscient, all-knowing being that's supposed to know the outcome of everything before it ever even happens. And that somehow we have to justify and explain our actions and our life to this thing, which in theory now, like where I'm at in life is not such a bad thing. There's almost kind of a poetry to it. And I love that. But at the same time, this like chip on my shoulder personality that I kind of have, and you know, a middle finger up to the masses and how people move and herds the way they do. I'm still kind of this, I don't know if we can swear on this podcast, but uh, just kind of a giant middle finger back at, back at that concept. It's like, so the, the concept of the record itself was an experiential one. I wanted, it to, I wanted it to be a sonic translation of what it would be like to leave this physical vessel and that moment between death and the afterlife, so your ascent, it's, the record explores that moment which would be brief if you really think about it. So an EP was actually kind of perfect. And so the way we set things up sonically was, you know, the beginning of the record starts with this really, really wild swell and how, like, what I think the sound might be when you, when you die, like, when, you know, when your soul or your spirit leaves your body, if you believe in that sort of thing. Um, and uh, that's how the record starts off. And then the, there's, a, there's a moment where the snare drum hits and, you know, if, whatever you want to call it, God, the universal, the, you know, the energy of the world, whatever the, whatever you want to call it, even if it's nothing at all, there's a driving force 
If that's the universal, then what is that language, right? Well, music's a universal language. So when the snare hits, that's essentially where God or whatever you want to call it steps in and says, okay, dude, you're here. And so Ben's dynamic singing over the entire record is the justifications and explanations of his actions to God or whatever you want to call it. And it's not, you know, it's not like a religious record or anything like super, you know, super closed off in that or compartmentalized into that area, but um, just something to explore a little more thought in a, a pop punk album than just like, you know, the girl and the chase of that, or like, you know, like how hard life is or how much you hate your neighborhood and want to get out of it. Like we'll go a little bit further than, you know, we we're getting older. We're, um, you know, we've got careers and, and lives outside of music as well. And so it's kind of a culmination of a lot of efforts that we felt were not completed in our, our early days of music. So that's really where all this comes from. I know it's a, probably a little longer explanation than you wanted, but that's, uh, that's the depth of it, the, the meat and potatoes. You know, with what Andy, Andy's talking about as far as like, you know, lyrics along the, along the record, you know, and saying that, you know, it's not just about like, you know, the girl and this and that, but, you know, at times like, I've like found kind of what me and Andy were discussing a little earlier is that the listener is going to kind of like come up with their story, no matter like what kind of direction, like we try to put it in as far as like lyrically. And at times I do use like, you know, words like her and she, and, you know, as far as that, like, you know, metaphor as what's like going on you know so you know when listening to the album like i like encourage listeners to you know just not think about it as like so direct all the time but really like a lot of times i'm like trying to come up with like deeper meaning and and what what the words are going in comparison of you know the good and the and the bad vibes of the universe and like choices that we make through that and so i think it's a great name for it because you know, tell God you were framed. I love the name because, you know, it's still like, you know, it leaves the person who's like reading that, like it opens your mind up to just kind of think like what that means and then try to interpret that through the words throughout the album. It's always kind of nice or interesting, I guess, when bands do that. They refer to something as a him or a her and their songs but when you're a hardcore fan of the band like you'll know especially if you know their background it's like oh i think they're referring to this oh yeah <clears throat> i definitely like in this single that we're about, that's about to come out love and heartache you know definitely a lot of metaphors in there like one thing might sound like i'm i'm, I'm saying this way but it's really about like if if a certain line is being said, like, think about like why the singer, you know, the vocalist is saying that. And then in turn, it could be mean something else. And in this song, I do use the word she in the grand scheme of it, you know, that the she can really be like a lot of things like substance, almost like in a substance abuse or, you know, you could definitely listen to it that way in a handful of ways. And I try to feel like very deeply about those things that I put together in my life so much so where I feel them very emotionally that, you know, who's ever listening can, can vibe with that and feel what I'm saying and then really like apply it to their own life 
and really like she can be a lot of things like what we're saying and I, I I, I want that to mean a lot to somebody, you know, as far as it will pertain in their life. Sick, dude. That's awesome. And I know that you guys are releasing the music video for the first single next month. Yes, ma'am, in June. So early June, I think. I think we're looking at June 7th. And really the way we wanted to approach this was not to um, – you know, for lack of a better term, we want we don't want to blow our load like immediately, like put the record out and this whole the video and the single all at one time. We want to, you know, we kind of want to take our time with it. Ben and I, uh, we were Ben and I go back musically a long way, and and we never we had, you know approaching this project, we felt like we never really took time to explore substance and textures and tones and a lot of things that really go into creating an experience in a record and you get this with a lot of bands uh you get i mean especially in the genre of pop punk it's a lot of you know it's a lot of similarity through it i mean people people pull influence from uh jerry finn's style of guitar recording those tones that he got all the way from you know uh early green day all the way into blink 182 and some 41 had similar things like that so uh even even to later date you look at the pop punk renaissance we're having with mod son and, and uh, girlfriends love love both those guys like both those acts are phenomenal in writing and so what yeah. we're seeing is certain is certain um concepts in these records applied sonically that that give it a unique sound in some way and so ben and i really took uh essentially lessons learned from our days in kid liberty and other bands we were in before i was in another band called better luck with kyle who's been engineering and producing this record with me and we co-written a lot of this on the way in so there's a lot of experience coming into this to go well if we're gonna make it sound this special let's make it special for everybody listening to it let's not just give them the whole tray and let them you know dismiss it after a few listens or whatever we'll give them a little bit at a time to really absorb what it is we're trying to convey in the album sick well i'm excited to see that what was your introduction to music and musically how did from that point how did you get to where you're at now i'm gonna let ben take the reins on that one what was my introduction to music uh well you know i remember Hearing, I really started getting into like you know rock bands or whatever like in like the fourth or fifth grade. Really started getting into that, stealing my sister's radio and putting it in the in the windowsill. My parents didn't want me to listen to that music, and so I'd, I'd go stick the antenna out of the window, jam some Chili Peppers and whatnot, like <clears throat> zombie that kind of thing. And my dad was really kind of coming around to that too, so it was okay on his part. But then later I got into uh, I got into drums in school. And then I was on into the drum line into high school. Uh, then, it's funny, I started taking my sister's guitar. She didn't play it. And I uh, started, like, writing songs, like, probably around, like, 17 or 18. And then I started a band with the singer from Kid Liberty. We had a first band called Red Letter Union. Did a couple tours with that. Then, then started Kid Liberty. Um, on into, you know, then meeting up with Andy and then hitting the road for some years. And uh, really that's just kind of like, well, I, I left out a couple things. We, uh, 
did a few albums with that band and then now i've uh i've got a folk band as well where i i um play guitar and i sing and i dialed back the guitar quite a bit i play rhythm and i uh, really focused on uh i started like focusing on like composing songs like and using lyrics because a, a lot of times i i just you know i do lead guitar and like rhythm guitar and i like to compose songs that way but like i really found interest in using like the the dynamic through that and using like lyrics to then emphasize what i would kind of like do on lead guitar and so that's kind of how i started like singing more and uh yeah so that's that's why i'm holding the microphone a little bit more these days and you know andy hit me with some good tunes and i couldn't say no i had to I had to come with it and brought some pressure too because i feel like it's andy and kyle and matt everybody did such a great job that i uh I felt like honored to be a part of this in a way. And so, yeah, like that's, that's how I got to where we're at now. <laughs> I guess mine was, I grew up in a very musical household. My mom is a classically trained musician and a vocalist. Uh, she traveled the world singing in college and she's been in like choirs, church stuff, you know, her whole life. And, uh, I've, I've just been fortunate to have lived in, and been in a household that just welcomed. I, didn't, I never had to ask really permission to play drums when I finally got my first kid. It was just like the only rule in the house was like, don't, don't play if someone's on the phone and don't play after 9 a.m. or after 9 p.m. or before 9 a.m. And like that was it. So I had, I had 12 hours throughout the day. If there was a window to play drums, I was playing drums. Guitar, same thing. I kind of learned by way of my mom having all these different instruments in the house and don't let Ben fool you, dude, this guy's a virtuoso. He'll sit down. Like he talked about picking up his sister's guitar and like learning songs. This dude's nasty. Uh, I, you know, we, all of us, all of us sit around and like just watch him create music. And we're like, dude, we just need to quit like everything we're doing. But, uh, you know, I started learning like, you know, three or four chord Johnny's and my first punk rock record that, I, I had, um, you know, my, my first song really was, was Queen's Sheer Heart Attack when I was really young. I heard that. I just remember loving how fast it was. I was really young. And my mom had that, that album. And I would just have that record, like literally the vinyl, just playing on repeat. And then she also had it on cassette tape with a little boombox. So I just listened to that. But really where I, where I kind of fell in love with punk rock and that movement was, I'm 36 now. So somewhere around like fourth grade was Green Day's Dookie was, I, I remember that record just really, yeah. it, me and all the kids in the neighborhood. That was one of my like, first too. Yeah, dude. Like me and all the kids in the neighborhood with like our BMX bikes and like skateboards and stuff. We just, I don't know that, that record just set. I actually met Trey cool not too long ago and told him like, you're the whole reason I started drumming like for real. Uh, and it was awesome. Just like bump into my, like my hero on that, in that regard. Like, um, so that's really where I got into it. My, you know, um, my mom teaches piano mainly, and that was my first instrument. And so, you know, when I write songs, I sit down at the piano first and kind of work out some chord structure uh, or different progressions in that nature, and then apply it to guitar. And then I like to imagine if the piano's behind it, could, do we keep the piano or do we not? You know, like that kind of. So it's kind of a juggling act to figure out what's going to fit best um, and really what kind of. Um, more of an ambiance you want in some of these songs, which uh, were very much applied to the production of this, this record, Tell God You Are Framed. So 
that's uh yeah that's my experience with it just kind of been around it my whole life i don't really know anything different so you guys both play guitar and drums and then piano piano and piano you name name an instrument if we can pick it up in a five-piece band it's probably getting played by any one of us wow yeah. that's awesome and then ben you are in drumline oh yeah that's sick yeah, I played I played some cymbal. I was on the cymbal line little thing there, and then I played bass drum for a little while. I loved it. I think it like really was like a great foundation to start with music because like you know getting the rhythm down and like getting the theory behind like composing a song. It's been really helpful to have that first. Yeah, and it's funny you bring that up because um, I uh, used to work at a middle school in the music department. That was my first job out of high school. Oh, that's awesome. And every, like that was the, also the first year that the drum line was formed. And after that year, like everybody was trying to audition. And unfortunately, you know, you have only so much, there's only so many spots and not every, and not every kid could, could um, be in it. But yeah, dude, there's something about it. I mean, all the other groups too, but, I think there was something about drumline with those kids and I'm just like, um, yeah, no, good time. That's awesome. That's awesome. You get to like be a part of like them growing and feeling the excitement of music and that will last in them forever. You know, I think about that all the time and how like, you know, I've been doing music for a very long time now. And what if I, what if I didn't do drums back then with, you know, how different would things be? So that's pretty cool that you can be a part of that with them. Imagine that's pretty rewarding. Yeah, dude. Um, it's awesome. So you guys talked about some of the bands, one of them being Green Day. But what was the first album that you ever bought? Oof. Ben, you go. I got to think about mine for a second. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, as far as like – you know, when I got older, I mean, because I had I had a few albums. I mean, I can tell you when I was in fourth grade too. But you know, it was like, you know, your your classic. I think I had like Green Day, Dookie, Nirvana, Nevermind, Oasis, Morning Glory. Uh, I think I had like a White Zombie, Astro Creep album. Yeah, dude. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's like the Offspring. The Offspring, the Smash album, still is one of the best albums out there. I don't care what anybody says. The, nobody's uh, gonna argue with you that's one of the most quintessential punk rock albums ever yeah and then you know when i started getting more moolah in my pocket and i wouldn't just being like hey dad buy me that nirvana album i think you know i was buying like i was getting really into like thrice and lamb of god and those kind of heavier bands i was also like playing a lot of you know heavier guitar and i was you know trying to be thrash lord or you know triplet master or something <laughs> Wheeling time, I don't know, but yeah, I guess that's it for me. I've got Offspring Smash for sure was was definitely in the top five of purchases. But Green Day Dookie, Smashing Pumpkins, people hate on it, dude. But um, well, I mean, I hate on this one so much. But Deftones, uh, Adrenaline, in yeah, time, dude. dude that yeah, was, that was the hardest record I had heard ever. And then not only that, they they came 
right after a corn self-titled album which was the murkiest sounding ross robinson straight up no that but that ross robinson sound that that uh, that he he crafted this really raw organic thing and he didn't try and make the band sound way better than he got the best performance out of them that he could and looking back on that i mean those, those records specifically influenced a lot of the heavy music that i listen to today um deftones is by far my all-time favorite band uh i just my don't team. think there's which is a little out of character because i generally gravitate more toward like the fat records nitro era of punk rock like with a lot of harmonious and melodic singing over like really drivey blues chord progressions and stuff like that um but when it comes to heavy music and like who the deftones influence i mean you look at bands like thrice lamb of god uh um, I mean, you could go down a laundry list. Pantera was another band. Uh, that was, dude, uh, the Cowboys from Hell record was like Our all the way in the is. library. Yeah, all the way in the library. And then by the time 100, 101 Proof came out, it was like, what? It was like mind blown. So those are, those are some of the first ones. Then you start getting into the latter part of the 90s for me. By about 96, 97, you, at least in, in my musical history, you can, I can identify the shift in interest. I, I bought, um, Coincidentally enough, I bought a Scream 2, the, the movie Scream or that franchise. I bought the soundtrack to the Scream 2 movie and Less Than Jake had a cover song on there uh, called I Think I Love You. And I was like head over with that band because that was right about the time Mighty Mighty Boss Tones was, you know, really hitting, hitting the market, no doubt. Um, and, uh, you know, this whole ska punk revolution thing was happening in the, the mid late 90s. And I just thought Less Than Jake was wild. They were just fast and fun. Um, and that led me into, you know, I found, um, I found Blink-182, uh, the, uh, Dude Ranch album was right in there. And then that, that just led down a whole path of like more no effects, lag wagon, you know, more offspring, more, uh, you know, 30 foot fall. A lot of those bands that really influenced a lot of them. Phoenix TX was another one that was, they were called River Phoenix. I'm originally from Houston, yeah, where you're from. Uh, yeah, dude, they, they were, so they're from my hometown. Um, they're from a, a, um, a small area just east of Houston called Third Ward uh, in a really small pocket of it, Denver Harbor. And uh, these guys were just, they, I don't know, man, they were just heroes, like local heroes in our town. And uh, they had to change their name to Phoenix DX. And that was my first official, like, punk rock show I went to. I went and saw them in three local opening acts for them. It's good. So anyway, that's my long-winded version of, music and where i got started on it but you can get the variation of influence and i did i i feel like i got to cover some other ground like being an like an 80s 90s guy like hip-hop has been a massive influence in so many ways like i just i love True. production value from guys like jay dilla you got tribe called you got common all the way up in the you know the, the earlier kanye era like a lot of that stuff yeah um, jeru the damager i mean ben and i Cruising around touring with Kid Liberty, like, dude, Mac Miller and Wiz Khalifa were, like, in rotation. Daily. <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of want to sat in on that. Like, he, he's making such a good point. Like, I, I guess I was just thinking about that and in that, like, you know, a lot of times, you know, in this kind of – with this kind of question, with the kind of music that we're playing, it's like we stick to rock bands. But the radio, you know, what's on the speakers, you know, you're going to hear some – you know, I, I forgot to mention that along with all those records, like I was also listening to the Bee Gees, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know said, I like disco, <laughs> you know, a lot, there's a lot of melody in that, <laughs> you know, but yeah, hip hop too. 
you know, I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't have some Drake on a couple times a week right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like, Bobby, Bobby Caldwell in, like, 91, which is where yes. Dylan got the sample for the light. Uh, for common and like dude there's so yes. a lot of the the soul and r&b stuff and of course you have you know your nirvanas and the pearl jams and stuff like that that were pretty influential the melvins big 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 deal there um yeah so i mean we could go on for hours and just wax this is what you you're gonna get me down a rabbit hole we're just gonna be talking about this all night so <laughs> oh dude man like it's all good i i love everything like i don't have any kind of like genre that i stick to it's like i run i mean i listen to things like mechanically like how everything is as far as you know whether it's on beat in tune you know like unison you know maybe that's where some of the drumline stuff comes in i'm like pretty ocd about that metronome and things like that and i, I love that that's like a i love finding that puzzle piece but then i also like run heavily under like emotion you know like i always feel like music and weather rules my emotions and um yeah i just kind of feel like like uh, there's just a vibe to it so i don't really listen to anything it either makes me feel really like something whether that's like happy or sad like whatever kind of emotions it sparks but it's got to spark something and that can be in either hip-hop or like rock or emo i write like a lot of r&b kind of stuff you know, I play the guitar and uh, and piano a lot right now. And I, like I said, I have a folk band, but it's folk. But like, I do a lot of uh, R and B throughout that, and I really enjoy it. And really, like, I mean, everything can be slowed down and be like R and B. Really, you can even take these songs that are heavy and dial them back, and you know, kind of come up with something that's a little bit more, you know, soulful. It's either got soul or not. That's all I had to say. It's either soulful or not. <laughs> yeah. There's a certain point where vocal styles like really are off-putting for me and if you're if you're coming at me with some like that broy like yeah like i'm out dude i can't i can't do it there's one band there's one band that got away with it there's one band that got away with it for me uh it's fuel i really i don't know what it was about that band fuel but <laughs> I, I think maybe some of the guitar work that they had in the record and the production was really cool um I don't know, man. They just had like a little more of the melodic side to them. They weren't trying to be like, but at least it didn't come across that way to me for some of their hits. Like this like tough all band with like tribal work, you know, <laughs> like, but uh, you know, past that, um, I'm pretty open to, to just about anything. Uh, like, like Ben said, it's music's music. It's a great language to communicate. And the more, the more languages you speak, the more, the more you can communicate with different people. Andy, you brought up your first punk rock show. Was that your nope. first concert? No, not at all my first concert. I, my first, if you want the honest truth, my first concert was Willie Nelson's 4th of July picnic with Charlie Daniels Band. <laughs> oh. I know, I was, sitting, I was sitting on my old man's shoulders just watching, watching Charlie Daniels. I, my first instrument, like the first love I had musically was, was violin and fiddle. I wanted to play that, but... I know for purposes of podcast, nobody's gonna be able to see it, but so I broke my left arm a lot when I was a kid, actually three different times. And when they reset it, they set it in such a way that I can't, I can't fully rotate it. It doesn't turn. So when you want to play violin, I don't have that physical ability to like hold a violin properly. And I'm right-handed. It actually inhibited a lot of drum style for me. I can't drum traditional grip. I always have to use a match grip when I play. But yeah, my first concert was, uh, 
was the biggest pot smoking hippie of them all in country music. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there might have been another one in there when I was younger. My dad was always taking me to like little like rock and roll venues and stuff throughout Texas, but namely namely stuff like that. He's like, my dad really loves country music, so I was just around a bunch of hillbillies and rednecks. Yeah, dude. Um, I think the only reason I know Charlie Daniels is because of a Fresh Prince episode. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about. Maybe. Were they, were they on it? Hold on. We're going to look this up right now. No, it was because in the, like, the first season, Uncle Phil, when his mom visits and Will is going to that Heavy D concert and they sneak out. But before they sneak out to the show, Will tells the, the mom, Uncle Phil's mom, about how he has tickets to go see Heavy D. And then, like, he was shocked that she knew who he was. But then he realizes that she's talking about Charlie Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I looked them up a while ago when I saw it. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, yeah, see, so that's why I know who he is. Because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like People don't really talk about him unless I'm not hanging out with the right people. I don't know. There's a there's a song by Charlie Daniels called Drinking My Baby Goodbye, and it is my favorite song by that band. Everyone goes for Devil Went Down in Georgia because it's what everyone knows, but Drinking My Baby Goodbye is like such a fun, drivey song. It just it's all gas pedal, like the whole song, just like <laughs> straight through. It's good. Ben, what was your first show or concert that you went to? <laughs> The first one that I remember, it was actually in year 2000, and uh, it was Summer Sanitarium Tour, and it was uh, Metallica, Ooh. and Corn, Power Man 5000, Kid Rock, and System of a Down. And System of a Down just put out that Toxicity album, and that was pretty good. What was interesting about it, well, first I'll say it was an awesome show. It was great. Uh, I remember it very well and it like changed me for the good. But uh interesting thing was everybody got like a free show out of it because come to find out that was whenever uh I guess James Metallica was battling or whoever whoever it was, I can't remember at the time, uh was battling Napster over the whole whole ordeal. So everybody that went to the show got a ticket to see them again when he was done. And so actually I got two shows out of that. But uh awesome. Yeah, that was my first one. They made up some kind of thing and said why he wasn't there, but like everybody like figured out. They looked into it like, oh, that was the court date. <laughs> like that makes sense, but they still had the show. Oh, and speaking of, what's funny about that? That you just said that Andy, your first show is uh they had they brought out a bunch of special guests, and of all people, they brought out Willie Nelson <laughs> to sing for Metallica <laughs> for like a song. So I saw Willie is my first show too. Dude, Justin. that's cool. That dude, that's actually kind of a that's a cool energy tie right there. I love that similarity. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> like our first show, it's really <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> dude. That's crazy. Dude, it actually explains a lot, Jasmine. If you actually if you hung out with Ben and I longer than like two hours, you totally understand why we <laughs> off of off of being around anything Willie. <laughs> like, uh, we're we're maniacs. There you go, dude. So hold on, dude. Um. Andy, how old were you when you went when you saw Willie Nelson? 
I was like three or four years old. I was, I was living in North Texas. So Ben, ben actually lives in a small town called Sherman, just north of Dallas, uh, which is where Kid Liberty was based out of. I lived in a small town south uh, west of that called Cleburne. Um, and then I moved down to Houston later. But when I was, it was when I was living in Cleburne that my dad, my dad and my mom took me to this 4th of July picnic uh, for Willie and Charlie Dan. There's always a ton of other bands. It's like a whole thing, but those are the only two I remember because I just wanted to see the fiddle player. I didn't even care about the rest of the band. I just want to see the guy rip on the fiddle. <laughs> that was it. Which inevitably led me like my, probably one of my top five favorite pop punk acts is yellow card for that reason sean mackin um oh. i've hung out with a, a, a handful of times and it's just like the most rad down to earth dude um but his particular role in the band is what sold me on yellow card like i just love that violinist aspect or the string section aspect to something that doesn't necessarily warrant having strings all the time and he he just had a way of pocketing that and it made them stand out uh, in a sea of other pop punk bands. I mean, I think they were, I think they were still running till 2016, I think is when they finally, 2016 or 17 is when they finally called it quit. And I hope it's not forever. I hope they have all the reunion tours that sell out every time they decide to get back together. I hope that that's a thing, but we'll see. When they were, well, when Ocean Avenue was, they were going off with that album, that's when I was still um, trying to figure out where I'm going at musically. I think that was either I might have been in the eighth grade when that album was released. But I mean, they were that those hits were all over, and you weren't hearing anything else like it on the radio. I mean, you had Blink and some Forty One; they were getting radio play, but violin, rock music, alternative. What's going on here? Yeah, dude, Ocean Avenue, the acoustic album. So good. I actually went, so in 20, I think it was 2013, maybe 14, I went, I want to say it was 13. I saw them perform back-to-back -back sets at, at House of Blues in Anaheim, where they did, they did the full Ocean Avenue album. Uh, and then they had some other songs that they played. They did like a full set, and then they came out and did Ocean Avenue in, in its entirety acoustically. What is literally one of the best shows. Thanks. And then I went, I went, I was at Warped Tour in 14 and got a, I was, I had the, a very fortunate privilege. Uh, a friend of mine just kind of slid me, slid me in the back there, and I got to stand side stage for Yellow Card set in uh, Pomona, and then again in San Diego. I think uh, it, was, it was so sick. Like they're just, so, they're, so, they're just a giant ball of energy to watch. They move around, and Sean's got, Sean's got a ton of energy while he's, you know, while he's playing. Of course, he does the backflips. Everyone loves that. So you know, they're a big influence. Actually, on this new record coming out, that you'll. You'll hear a lot of influence from, from some of the yellow card stuff. Um, I, think, I think Kyle and I tied, tried to tie in some of that because they're such an influential and impactful band to the way that we creatively write. So hopefully it translates. It's like a subtle nod, you know? Yeah, dude. I was at that Anaheim show. Were you? Yeah, dude. It was sick. Yellow card, any other band, it is just so awesome when the show is sold out and everybody is singing at their top of their lungs. Like, that was such a great show, dude. And no one wanted to leave, like, when it was over, because we weren't sure what they were going to be doing after that. That just seemed like it was the end of everything. 
And then they put out Southern Air right after that. It was like, what is this? Like, it was like they were reborn. It was great. What three bands, dead or alive, would you play a show with? And where would you play? What three bands would I play dead with, or dead or alive, and where? Uh, that's a hard call. That's a real hard call, but I would just say off the top of my head right now, never having thought about this before, Deftones, going to steal that, Andy. Deftones, Comeback Kid. Ooh, boy. <laughs> just just because I, I love them and I think they'd be, it would just be fun to watch, you know? Yeah. I would just want to do that. Just every, share, every day, share. like touring with those guys, standing like side stage watching that energy. You would just get me so hyped. Oh yeah. Well, finally, like you know, after like playing on the road and then like you know, kind of like crossing paths there and there, I got to stand side stage uh, and watch them like four or five years ago, and it was amazing. It was everything that I had hoped that it was going to be, and it pumped me full of all of the good energy. And so <laughs> I would like to, I would like to see that every night. You know what I mean? And so I, I guess that's what I'm thinking about playing a show too. Like just imagine, like, oh, that'd be a great thing to be a part of every night. Uh, and then the third one, it's a real hard call. I don't even, I don't even know. So I got Deftones, Comeback Kid, and I don't know, whatever I say right now, I'm going to think about something sweeter later. <laughs> I'm going to think about one band that's like more of my favorite band later. I've got like 20 favorite bands. So can I just say Deftones a third time? <laughs> We're going to double down. Yeah. You play a second set? I mean, I guess I would say like, let me just go ahead and say, okay, another just, you know, that I feel pretty heavy. Like, I really love me some Every Time I Die. Ooh, so, good, good choice there. Good, so, good you know, Deftones, Comeback Kid, Every Time I Die. Like, I could just, and you know, then it's like our turn to play or like we would say we play first, obviously. We play first, and then watching all those bands, that would be, like, just a, a show for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, dude. That'd be the show uh, that I want to see. I don't know I'm if gonna, I'm answering that question right, but... <laughs> I'm going to go on a limb here, and not only because I'm in, I'm in the company of some family here, but I, I, I'm actually learning about a lot of rock and roll, in, like, classic rock and roll stuff as of, as of late, but particularly over the last 10 or 15 years... Frank Zappa has been a regular point of conversation. I've actually gone and seen Zappa to Zappa now, I think twice. Uh, I'm, I'm here at my family's house. And uh, I think it'd be fun as far as the, the, dead, the dead side of this. I, I think watching the, the level of performance and input that Frank Zappa had to his music and the, the, the complexity of it, really. And he just, like, how he had a lot of fun doing it. And he was like kind of like punk rock before punk rock was really a thing, but he didn't, he didn't, um, he didn't compromise like musical ability either. Like it was really, really brilliant music that's written in such a way that I don't think think a lot of people just generally just understand. And he was a big advocate of like stepping up, (laughs) stepping up musical, you know, musical ability and live performance. And like, you know, he, he would shit on pop songs like he just thought they were the dumbest thing ever and he would just write these really brilliant rock and roll bits about you know they were funny but it was like kind of you know satirical and serious at the, just 
a lot of a lot of variation. So I think I think being able to play with Zappa, even though he'd probably laugh at the way we play all the time, but like that'd be fun. I you know Ben already said it, but like Deftones is literally like never mind just band stuff. It is a a number one ranking bucket list check off that I've got to have done before I die. Like. I have to I have to hang with those dudes and sit side stage for their show. Like I'm not even gonna be I'm shameless as shit about this. I yeah, that would be at, I want that Instagram tile. <laughs> like I want Same. that trophy, dude. Same. Uh, and then my really my third. Oh man. It's been Singular a long degree is hard. It's been a I know I already know who it is. It's been a long time since I've had a record. And, a, and an artist really, really impact me from start to finish on the entire album, uh, not only with lyrical composition and what's written in it, but the overall production value of this album with Will Yip. Um, it's a band called Seer Believer. Uh, they have an album out called Hard, or, uh, or uh, Bent, and the, the single on the record was, was a song called Hard, and then he's got a few others on there, but it... It has all of the perfect combinations of the shoegaze, really, really uh, like twangy, uh, very ambient, uh, you know, melodic chord progressions. But at times it just it drills this heavy distortion in there. Kind of like if you remember listening to Radiohead's Creep and they do that, chin chin, that really infamous distortion chug, they, they have the element of that in, in their record. But just some of the most beautifully written music, I think. To have a band that impactful off of such a introductory album is very reminiscent of when I was young and was new to a sound that hadn't been influenced on me or put on me in some type of way. Like, oh, this is what's cool. Like somebody just suggested it was like, check this out. And I listened to it. I think the first night I got the album, I listened to it three times front to back. I just, I like couldn't stop. So that would be my third as of late. So Deftones, if anybody in the band is listening. <laughs> I've got We're ready. A, buddy, a, a buddy of mine, an acquaintance that I, I met through another friend of mine, this guy, this guy John, does all their lighting and production. And, and it's just like such a rad dude. Um, it's like, you know, classic car collection. Every, every now and then I'll see him like post it. So he does light production for Deftones and System of a Down and Slayer, you know, Misfits, all this stuff. But. I'm like, man, that guy is like living the dream, dude. <laughs> like you're in front of these bands that are like mind-blowingly awesome. I just would kill for five minutes behind that behind that booth, <laughs> like just dial running, you know? Dude, that's sick. Yeah. Wow. Those are um, sick lineups. Where would you guys want to play at? Red Rocks. That's, I mean, that's historical. You got to do Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and second that. Yeah, Red Rock's sick. Uh, I don't know. What else you got, Ben? I mean, there's a few venues that I have in mind. I would for sure love, you know. Uh, I mean, I got, I got a few. But, well, but, well, current venues or, are we, or like just cities? Anywhere in the world? Is Anywhere in the you? world. Ooh. Prague. <laughs> Dude, I'd love to play in Prague. Yeah, I don't. 
I don't know, Red Rocks. That's it for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Red Rocks is sick, dude. You know, I've always wanted to play them. And I was questioning, and Andy said it. And so Andy took my, <laughs> Andy took my answer. That, that's it for me. That's where I'd, I'd love to play there. We've Ben and I have played quite a few historical theaters across the country. Anyway, I mean, even, not even so, some of them weren't even historical; just some big theaters. We played. What was that amphitheater we did in Dallas? That Zoom we co-headlined with Set Your Goals. We did that one. It was a show Zemer did. I can't then, remember. Yeah, I don't remember. It was like uh, something amphitheater. We did that. We did Webster Hall in uh, Connecticut. We did the Palladium in Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, or as they say in Mass, Worcester. Um, <laughs> and then man we played the meat locker and you know it's kind of cool i have to say i have to say you know it's it's here in dallas like uh one of my favorite places i've ever played so i always would want to play there again simply because the mo some of the most on point like sound on stage i've ever heard is at trees in dallas i mean it's been some years i don't know if it's still like that but you know returning to that place and like, you know, you really want to feel the music when you're playing. I do, you know, I want to get there emotionally so everybody can feel that, you know, the music is so pumping on that stage. Like, you know, your feet are vibrating and, you know, it's a, it's a smaller venue, but like it, it, uh, it feels really good in there to play on that stage. So, you know, I, you know, I tend to like smaller venues sometimes too, just cause it's, you know, gets an intimate vibe to it. You know, I think you could fit like a hundred or so, a couple hundred people in there maybe, but, uh, yeah, I love that place. Yeah, small uh, intimate venues are fun too. I love that stuff. Under capacity, you said with Deftones? Oh man. Yeah, it would be Ooh. wild. <laughs> okay, I guess I was just kind of thinking in general, but yeah. So, <laughs> dude, but can you imagine that show? Even yeah, like not even not even just people standing, but like candlelit tables with like cloth over and people sitting in suits, like watching it. It's just like this intense gritty show the way that they do it and that's that's our experience <laughs> how do you guys keep it posy man well bing you want to go how do i keep it posy well playing music <laughs> yeah. uh you know i it's a uh it's a thing that, you know, we work through every day, really. And um, I really do like to use writing music as a, as like my most like positive out, you know, thing that I, that I, that I keep going in my life that keeps me positive, you know, and I also enjoy the work that I do from, from day to day by like helping folks. I really enjoy that. And it brings me a lot of positive vibes. And I, I, I put that somehow you know hard to explain but i put that into the music too and uh you know really just like maintain communication with all my with all my brothers like andy here and you know and other people i love and you know just trying to keep like the best outlook in in the life you know that we're given that i'm given yeah i'll i'll echo what ben said i think it's just a matter of you know the older you get and some people some people who are on this earth with you for a long time are no longer able to be here for whatever reason or another. And you start appreciating the value of somebody's presence a lot more, whether virtual or digital or even physical. Uh, so there's that, uh, you know, keeping, keeping your circle small, but keeping your network big, 
I've, you know, and I'll continue to echo Ben. I think music and creative endeavors. Um, I, I don't want this to be a plug necessarily, but it's just part of what it, I do on the side of the band. I actually have a, a clothing brand that's primarily focused around positive mental attitude as well. And so just the creative elements of like finding the right fabrics or like getting my woven labels or hats or t-shirts, like any of these, any of these things that go into my line of work <clears throat> and then creatively conveying a message through artwork or whatever in this way to be positive off of that and impact people in a completely different way aside from music. You know, I like that. Um, and I think, I think that's resonated with my very small audience in that to where they're, they're loyal about what, you know, coming back and, and consuming my, my products and the lifestyle that I, I portray with what it is I do. And it's still kind of like, I think Ben and I, we've talked about this a number of times, like, there's a realistic aspect to being positive. It's not about being, you know, gung ho. It's going to be the best day ever all the time. I think there's a certain balance you have to have and <clears throat> some emotional diversity in that aspect to realize that you're going to have bad days too. You just have to know that they're going to get good again, you know, and that's, it's all comes down to it. And, uh, I, I, I really appreciate your question in that. Um, now that I'm talking about it more, I think, I think people need to hear, um, some grounded um, dialogue in that, that, that makes sense um, to the everyday, you know, you can't, I, I always tell people it's, it's uh, it, gray skies and sunny thoughts, you know what I mean? Like that's, it's kind of the, it's kind of the twist to it. doesn't matter how, how dark and cloudy and rainy it's going to be. Just keep thinking as, as best you can, no matter how bad it gets. So music, art, creative, family, like family for sure, super hard. And, like Ben said, my, my brother's in, in music. And uh, I think Ben and I, even through this project, have gotten even closer. We were already like hella close. Like we, we were talking with a, a great deal of regularity going into this project as it was. And now it's, it's like almost daily. And we live 1,200 miles apart from each other. I live in Southern California. He's in North Texas. So just having, having this um, creative outlet open up other opportunities to communicate and have a dialogue that, is beneficial for both of us as like friends and reliving, you know, memories and also looking at the future together and how, how life's going to be uh, going forward. So, yeah. Yay. Any last words, anything else you would like to let the people know? I'm going to let Ben take us out. I do want to say thank you very much for having us on here and, you know, letting us talk about all this and, you know, um, asking us these questions so that we could, you know, talk about this stuff that we love. With that, I just want to say that uh, I'm super pumped for everybody to hear this album coming out. We're pouring a lot of heart and soul into this, and I hope that it shows. And, yeah, thanks for everybody that's already going to, you know, tune in and check it out. And uh, I think everybody is going to be stoked to see the video. I'm, I'm pretty stoked on it, and I uh, hope everybody likes it as much as we do. I'll uh, I'll echo a lot of that. We're pretty simple, straightforward DIY project. Nothing nothing fancy about this, and uh, we'd love to chat with anybody else that's interested in the sound and and helping us move forward. So, thank you, thank you so much for your time, Jasmine. Yes, thank you so much. Yay.
So that was my conversation with Ben and Andy. To keep up with the band as they continue to share news about their upcoming EP, you can follow them on Instagram. The handle is at LooseEndsCA. Thank you again to Ben and Andy for being guests on the podcast. If you haven't yet, please check out the Keep It Posy podcast playlist on Spotify. Love and Heartache is the band's latest single and it's been added to the playlist. The band also released a music video for the song earlier this month. You can check that out at keepitposy.com. And if you have some money you want to spend on some PMA merch, why not check out the clothing line Andy talked about in the chat. Lowcompany.com L-A-U-X Company.com As always, you can hit me up via email or social media. Keepitposy.com for all the contact info. Thank you again to everyone for listening to another episode of the Keep It Posy podcast. Please take care of yourself and watch out for each other. Stay posy always. And remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you gotta help that person get back up. <laughs>